Are you all ready for the word? Yes. I have something kind of special tonight. Go to Matthew chapter 16. Turn me down a little bit, Mike. There you go. Hmm? Oh. Oh, okay. Matthew 16. I'm going to read a scripture. Um, I still hear an echo. I'm still, I, I, I want to read a scripture. But I want to go over something. Well, let me start off this way. Right after I got born again, I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound really hokey, but so often I would be in my room at night, and the and the Bible was like a lot of. I had a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. I had no church to go to. I walked into a a church in a, in Athens, Georgia, and Sunday morning, and all fourteen people were on the back row sleeping. And I'm on the front row. And after I listened to the guy preach, I fell asleep with him. Oh, no. And um, that was like one of the really good churches. And so it was really a funny, an odd thing to me because I wanted to go to church so bad. Right. And I wanted to know the Bible and I wanted to know. And so the Lord would, would show up in my room at night. Now, I, it's, I want to say that he kind of came in and sat down, but he didn't. I never saw him. But I would be laying in bed just thanking God, and all of a sudden I could feel his presence. And he would always start off like this. Would you like to hear a story? And, you know, I didn't know anybody on the planet ever had this happen to them, but it happened to me all the time. And I was so hungry for God, and I just wanted to know so much. And I'd read him a Bible, and sometimes I'd read it, it wouldn't make any sense. So he would talk, come talk to me and tell me stories. And I realized... When you read the Bible, he's always telling people stories. So none of these stories that he tells me are in the Bible, but there are scriptures to back them all up. So I'm going to go over one of the stories that he told me in detail. I've told the story before, but I've never gone into a lot of detail about what he was saying to me. And so I'm going to do that. But I want to start off with Matthew 16, 24. And Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit is it if a man gains the whole world and loses his soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man came, will come in the glory with his Father, with his angels, and he will reward those according to their works. So I'm laying in my bed at night, and and I'm just laying there, and I always just kind of started off by going, Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. I just, all that you're doing for me, all that's happened to me. And I was just, it was very overwhelming. The grace, grace overwhelmed me. And so when he came in and says, you want to hear a story? Naturally, I'm just laying in the bed awake and he just starts talking. And I can't tell you it was audible, but I can tell you I heard every word. It's very, very strong, very... And so he, the story is the story of the, of the old man with, with, the, with the business, but I, I kind of want to go over that with you tonight because I think it's a very appropriate for the day we're living in. So, so he says this. He says, once there was a man, he was a very, very old man, and he owned a store. Now, now I could see in my spirit the store. It was the, like an old... Um, uh, dry goods store in, in a cowboy days 
one of those stores where you walk in, the floors are wooden, and there's like pickle barrels and 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 food barrels and cookies in a jar and candy in a jar and and nobody in town bought clothing. They came in and bought um, cloth. And women made their own dresses. So I'm kind of thinking probably early 1900s, late 1800, kind of a setting, Matt Dillon, Western sort of a setting. But anyway, this old man owned this store. And um, he's getting up in age. And he realizes he doesn't have long before he's gone. But he has no children. And so he he gets a bright idea. And one day he... um, he, he gets a sign and he goes out and he puts help wanted on the sign and he puts it in the store window. Well, a little boy that afternoon was walking down the, the street to go play baseball. Now, y'all, now, some of y'all are not old enough to remember this. And I've got to remember that there are some of us that remember these times, but others. I remember when baseball was king. Yeah, not football, not soccer. Nobody ever heard of soccer. Baseball, every baseball cards, bubblegum cards, everything was baseball. And, and at school, we played softball, we played baseball. In our neighborhoods, we played baseball. You know, I mean, I don't know if I ever played football much. But man, could we, could we mark out, you know, a bunch of bases someplace and get a bat and away we would go. So, so a little boy's walking down the street with his ball and his bat and he sees the sign in the window and the sign said, help one. So he grabs the sign and walks in and comes up and says, Mr., uh, do you, uh, have you found anybody for the job? And he goes, no, I have not. Would you like, would you like the job? He said, yes, I, I would. I would like to make some extra money. And so, so he says, come into the back and I'm going to show you what I want you to do. And he goes into the back, a room back there where he keeps all his supplies. And there's, there's three empty barrel set up and there's one barrel full of nuts and bolts and washers and he said I want you to separate the nuts in one the bolts and others and the washers in another one can you do this he said yeah I, I can do this so so he, the little boy gets in there and the old man leaves and leaves the little boy and away he goes you know nut bolt washer 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 nut nut you know until finally climbs over in the barrel and he's inside the barrel and He's chunking them into each individual barrel, and he gets to the bottom of the barrel, and at the bottom of it is silver dollar. And I don't know how many of y'all have ever seen. This is an 1883, and um, I maybe ought not tell y'all this. I have a lot of these. So, so he finds this silver dollar in the bottom of the barrel. Now, you understand in, back in that day, Men worked all day from cane to cane for a silver dollar. And a silver dollar would buy a week's groceries. So that's quite, that's quite the sum of money for a kid. So the little kid takes it and sticks it in his pocket. Gets out of the barrel, goes out, and, and tells the man, he says, he says um, I did the job you asked me to do. And he goes, okay, let's go. Walks back in the back. There's nuts, bolts, washers. And so he goes to the old cash register and Cha-ching. Drawer comes out and he pays the little boy for the job. Little boy gets his ball and bat and down the road he goes. The old man goes back in the room and he dumps all the nuts, bolts, washers back in the barrel. Goes to hang sign back in the window the next morning. And uh, the next day, little boy's coming down the road. 
Same scenario, going to play baseball. Comes by and sees the sign in the window. And comes in and he says, you got anybody for this job? And he goes, no. He says, you think you can do it? He says, oh, yeah, I'd like to. So he takes him back in the back and he says, here's a barrel of nuts and bolts and washers. I want you to separate them for me. He says, oh, I can do that. He says, well, okay. He leaves the little boy and he gets in and, and he does the job. And he gets to the bottom of the barrel and what's he find? Silver dollar. Bottom of the barrel. He gets up, puts it in his pocket. Climbs out, goes out there and tells the man, I did the job. Well, make a long story short, the old man poured all the nuts and bolts and barrels back in there, puts the sign back on the window next day. Same thing happened again. Now, I'm sitting in my room. Jesus is telling me this story. You know, and I'm, I'm, like to my, I'm thinking to myself, I mean, the kid's stealing the money, you know. Um, so, so, so the third little boy gets in there, nut, bolt, nut, washer, 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 nut, nut, bolt, bolt. And, and climbs over the barrel and gets down to the bottom barrel and silver dollar. The bottom of the barrel. Gets up, buds in the pocket, climbs out, goes out to the old man, says, I did the job. He says, oh, okay. Goes and checks his work. Yeah, cha-ching, going to pay him. He says, oh, hold on. I have something I think belongs to you. And he handed the old man the dollar. The old man looks at him and says, would you like a permanent job? Mm-hmm. You know where I'm going? Yeah. And he says, yeah. He said, I would. And then the old man sits down. Now, this is the only test he's given this kid. Mm-hmm. And remember I told you when we started, he didn't have any kids. He says, now, if you'll stay with me, um, me and my wife are not going to be here forever, and we'd like to leave the store to you. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I'm laying in my bed, and I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. And I'm kind of getting the point. But then I went and asked the Lord. I said, well, you know, I don't understand all the, what you meant. You know, what was the other two th- boys about? And he says, well, you remember the first boy? I said, I said, yeah. He said, he went on down the road and he took his silver dollar home and he hid it. And said, you know what? There may come a day when I'll need that money. So he kind of buries it away someplace in his room. And he says, the second little boy got the bright idea and went and called all the kids on the baseball team and said, how would y'all like to go to the fountain? Now, how many of y'all know what a fountain is? Mm-hmm. Oh, y'all are pretty good. Yeah. Yep. Ice cream and mm-hmm. French fries. I mean, you know, when I was growing up, when, I mean, I worked at McDonald's, but that was like the first fast paper hat, hand wrote out every order. and You could buy a hamburger and French fries and a Coke and give a dollar and get change back. So in the, in the fountain, you'd go down there and they had these, you know, you'd get root beer floats and, and French fries and they would make hamburgers. Of course, they would pull a meat patty out and put it on the grill and fry it up, man. You know, the, I mean, it's just something about the, the, the just, nobody's ever made a burger like that. They fry, they, they toasted the bread and I mean, it was just, but so you'd go to the fountain and all of us kids would sit in the little booths and put, put a, you know, a little money in the jukebox and play music. And so anyway, that's, that's a fountain. I just thought I'd help Debbie because I know she don't know what that is. Frank don't know what a fountain is either. So the little boy, he, he tells all of his friends, he said, all right, everybody go to the fountain and all of the root beer floats are on me. And they're all like, whoa, and off all of his buddies went down to the local drugstore and had a big party. 
The third little boy gave the money back to the owner. And I asked the Lord, he, so I said to him, I said, well, what does it mean? He said, the silver dollar represents your life. Now, I'm going to read to you what he said to me. The first boy hid the money and invested it in himself. He said, the second little boy became popular and invested the money in the world. The third little boy returned the money to the lawful owner and reaped a hundredfold and, and invested in the kingdom of God. So he's telling the story that of, the, of the scripture I just read. You know, you stop and think about the fact that you have one life here to live. And God lets you and I do anything we want to with it. He does not lay out a map and tell you what to do with your life. But every one of us have life. And so I'm going to read some scriptures concerning each boy. Matthew 25. The first little boy or this group of people. Matthew 25 verse 14. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents. Of talent is a year's wages, five years' wages. To another two and to another one. To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. And when he had received the five talents, went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who received two gained two more also. And he who received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money, like the little boy. And after a while, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. I know that we don't talk about this much, but I am always aware that there comes a day, and I'm not talking about we're saved, we're, we're all born again. Okay, we, we've... We've, we've covered that, right? right? Okay. We all have a day when we will stand before the Lord and, he'll, and, and he will ask us, what did we do with what he gave you? Right. That's going to be a big deal. Yeah. I think that we need to pay attention to that. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. Have you ever, when you were in school, knew that test day was coming and you didn't study? Thank you. We got one. Frank. And the last minute, you're sweating. I remember I used to get stomach aches. And, and my mother never figured it out, but the day that we had test and I hadn't been reading, I, I don't feel good. <laughs> A couple times she bought it. <laughs> Daryl doesn't feel good today. I mean, I, see, but the truth is that test was there when I got there. It didn't, it didn't change anything. And I kind of figured out after a while that I can, I, can, I can pull one on mom, but I'm not pulling one on the school. Right. Thank you all. And I, and I think this, that there was never a time in my life. I always looked forward to the test day when I studied. I mean, I'm like, I'm going to ace it. And it never, I never got a stomachache. I don't want you to get down to the end of your life and go, shoot. I'm getting older. Gosh, I haven't done squat. 
So the first little boy was very selfish. All of us have flesh, and we all need to pay attention to the fact that our flesh really likes to veg a lot. And I mean, I hope you all are enjoying this. He received the five talents, brought five talents, and said, Lord, you delivered me five talents. I gained five more. And the Lord said, well done, good, and what? Faithful. Faithful. You know, that's a big word to God. You were faithful over a few things, and I'm going to make you ruler over many things, entering into the joy of the Lord. He received two talents, came and said, Lord, you deliver me two talents. Look, I've gained two more. In other words, he didn't say anything about the fact that he get five was five. It, it was according to your ability. So everybody, God knows what you can handle and what you can't, and, and he's not asking more of you than you're able to give. And the Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. And I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And he who received one talent said, Lord, I know you're a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. I was afraid. That's the opposite of faith. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, here is what is yours. And the Lord answered and said, you wicked And lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I had not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have at least deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have at least received my own money back with interest. Now, he's talking money, but he's he's talking investments. Now, let's, let's, let's talk about this for a moment. He's invested in you. Think, I want you need to get you need to start thinking like this a little bit. He's put in you. You took someone who was lost, you couldn't have made heaven, and he gave you eternal life. He you you didn't have you couldn't have made it, so he gave you the Holy Ghost. Then he gave you the word, then he gave you a church, then he gave you friends, and he gave you ministers, and when he returns, he's won't what did you do with what I gave? And I'm going to say right now, don't look at him and go, I went to church. That's it. Yeah. I'm a Christian. Yeah. And I mean, and I don't, I don't think the body of Christ has ever really said that. He loves people. We're going to get into this, not this Sunday, but next. And I kind of, I'm praying that this church will go with me as we start talking about church. Because God has placed you in a place where you can make an investment in people. A church is no stronger than the people committed. And if if you only have like, in in this church, I'll be honest with you, it's about 20%. The other 80 Mm -hmm. don't do anything. Don't do anything. Well, they may do stuff outside the church, but that's not what he said do. Everything starts in the church. It begins in the church. People get born again. You know, when you have like 10 people get saved on Sunday, I'm going to tell you this. I don't want you all to get mad at me. Most of them don't last three months. And most of them, nobody ever calls them. Because they're busy. You took your talent. You're burying it. I mean, he did that for you, and he's going, there's more people. There's like people like you. 
And so I want you to start thinking a little bit more about this, you know, the fact that if this was a business deal and he gave all that to you, there's an accounting ledger. And everything you've ever done and doing right now, good, bad, and ugly, is on the ledger. Now, it's not, it's not a matter of you getting going to heaven or hell. That's, that's taken care of. We're talking about there's a ledger sheet. He was given this, given this, given this, given this, fruit, zippo. Like, so how many of you, if someone gave you money and said, go start a, a store, would understand that you need to sell, well, let's say you start a coffee shop. And someone gave you $100,000. You ought to at least have the money to pay the 100000 back and make some money. Right. Not just go broke and go, oh, oops. Well, what happened? Well, you know, I didn't, I, I was, I didn't want to get up in the morning and go down and the coffee machine broke and I didn't know how to fix it and, and the milk soured and, and I was tired and then my aunt came by and see me. You know, I'm talking about all the stuff people say because they don't come to church. But it don't work in a business world. So he's talking business to church people. Because, it's, because the church kind of is, it's his business. It's a worldwide business and it's going to go on. So we notice he's talked about ruling. So can I get a little deeper here with y'all? I don't want to be in the crowd. Okay. On, on judgment day. Bama seat of Christ. Well, we're not being judged going to heaven or hell. And all of a sudden, he calls out Kenneth Copeland, and he calls out Jesse, and he calls out Justin, and he calls out Lisa, and he calls out Debbie. And, and, and at the end of the awards, they're, crap, where's Daryl? <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I'm going, we can, can we do this over? So I'm going to stop right here and tell you a story. It's fun, it's fun. Just enjoy this with me. Paul Young Cho told a story about a woman in his church that, that loved God, just loved God. And she was always coming down to the church and she had a little cell group in her home and ministering to people, and, but she loved to come to the church and clean the church and did all kind of stuff. And, she was, and her husband got mad and said, she's always down there at that stinking church. She's always down there at that church. I mean, you know, come home every once in a while, take care of me. And she, well, honey, I, I do love you and I do take care of you, but I love Jesus too. And I mean, he's always angry. He's always mad. And one day she, she dies. She gets sick and she dies. And he, and he is broken. This is a true story. He's broken hearted. I mean, he's down at the morgue crying over her body. And, and, he's, and I don't know what happened to her. She died. And... Um, and so he's down there just crying and crying and crying. And it wasn't but like a week later, he literally had a heart attack from grief and he died. Mm. And, and all of a sudden his wife is there and meets him at the pearly gates and he comes walking in and he's all excited. And, um, and she says, come on, I'm going to show you my mansion. And, and she takes him to her mansion. And it's big and it's beautiful and it's nice. And he goes... Where's mine? She goes, oh. And she takes him to it. And there's no roof. And there's no windows. I mean, there's a few walls up. You know, just a little stuff. So all of a sudden, Jesus meets him. 
and, and welcomes him to heaven. And he goes, and in his mansion's really tiny. It was just a little house. And he said, why is my wife's? I mean, he's really upset. He's in heaven, but he's upset. I mean, it's like a mansion. And I have like just little, and he's in like, you know, in, to Koreans, the woman is not supposed to be over the man. And she's got like this little box. And it ain't even finished. And he says, what is this? He said, well, every time you do something, we add to your mansion. But you don't do anything. And he looks at him and goes, oh, this is terrible. What do I do? He says, and Jesus looked at him and said, you've got, I think, a certain amount of time. And we can send you back if you want to go. But after this time is up, they're going to embalm you and all that, and you're here. He goes, oh, I want to go back. So all of a sudden, boom, he's in the morgue. And, the, and one of the little Korean guys over there sweeping the floor, and he stands up and says, hey, you. And, and the little Korean guy made like a, a new door getting out, like, wow, a dead guy is talking to me, and he left. I mean, it's a true story. And then he goes, I got to talk to Pastor Cho. I got to talk to Pastor Cho. And so he, he gets up out of the morgue and finds his clothes because he ain't got none on. You know, he gets some clothes and he, he calls, Dr. Cho, Dr. Cho, I got to talk to you. And he walks in his office and he says, I, I died. He says, I know, I have here to do your funeral. He said, no, I have to come back. You must give me work to do. I cannot live in little mansion next to my wife's big man. No, Dr. Cho, give me work. <laughs> Dr. Cho, it's on, this is on YouTube if you want to go find it. And Dr. Cho does a whole lot better job of telling the story. But the guy came back and got in the church and got real busy. I got to have roof. The house has no roof. No, can't happen. I'm doing a better. I told you y'all were going to enjoy this. But this is, this is him talking to me, telling me the story of these little boys. And he's telling me the story because I could have been one of three. Are you, what are you going to do with your life? Now, I mean, you're saved, but what are you going to do with your life? And I know that you want to be popular. See, you, you can spend it on yourself. You can spend it on... You can, how, many, how many people have you ever heard? Singers? And you know their voice was a gift from God? Can I name one? Whitney Houston. God, what a gift. But she didn't spend it on the church. She spent it on the world. And we see a lot of these people in the world and they're doing stuff and you're going, oh my God, they're so talented. Yeah. Well, that talent was given to them by God, but not to spend on the world and on making and becoming popular. Amen. Amen. All right, we're doing good. So anyway, Matthew 19, please go. Say, I'm, I'm enjoying this. Okay, good. Matthew 19, and this is another story that we, I mean, I don't preach on it a lot because in our modern day prosperity message, people don't like this story. 
But he's not really dealing with money. He's dealing with heart. And, and I want us to see this. Verse 16, behold, one came and said, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he says, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. And he says, which ones? He said, well, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness. Honor your father and mother and you'll, and you'll, and you'll love your neighbors yourself. And the young man said, all these things I've kept from my youth, what do I lack? And he says, well, do you want to be perfect? Sell what you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And, and he's a very wealthy young man. Very wealthy. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. Don't be hard on him. Because all Americans by world standards are wealthy. And most put money first. Even Christians. So, so don't, don't be hard on him. Just think about yourself and go hmm, this, listen, when I got saved, it was easy because I was broke. Right. You know, tell you that well, I had nothing to lose. Right. I had nothing to lose. But anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. And he says all these things. He said, okay. And the young man heard that saying, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And I want to say no possessions had him. And Jesus said to his disciples, Surely I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I guess I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. His disciples heard it. Remember, they're Jews. And, and they had their own fishing businesses. They had their own boats. These guys weren't broke. And said, who can be saved? And Jesus looked and said, with men it's impossible. With God all things are possible. And Peter answered and said, see, we left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? Surely I say to you, that in the generation when the Son of Man sits on the throne of glory, you'll have, you who have followed me will sit on, my 12, on 12 thrones in judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Everyone who has left houses or brothers, sisters, father, mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake shall inherit a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. All right, let's talk about that for a minute. Even though I'm a prosperity preacher, and I think all of us agree with this. Are there times that God will make a request of you knowing that you're going to walk away from money? Yes. Yes. When I got born again, the first thing God did was get me a good job. And I needed to. I needed to get out of debt. I needed to get out of it. God was a good God. Got me that job at certainty. And when I'm there, they begin grooming me for management. Now, you know, for me, growing up poor, all of the sudden, I realized that Mike Nacera, the plant manager, is bringing me in his office and eating lunch with me. That's not junk. And I'm like, cool. You could buy a Camaro for $3,000. You could buy a brand new home, brand new palatial home in Athens, Georgia, with columns for $30,000. And I'm about, I'm already getting raise after raise after raise after raise. And I'm, I'm there. And the Lord said, I want you to go to Tulsa. And I didn't do that. And I'm not picking on you. I did. Amen. My obeying God, and I know this is going to sound... 
money will never give me what I got the day I got saved. I got a relationship with God. I love him. I, I, I want to. I, I, I mean, there's so many people don't know this. Now, you understand this. As, I, as a pastor, when people walk in here and go, you're just after the money. Let me tell you something, numb nut. I've walked away from two massively good jobs, making an enormous amount of money to be here talking to you. The second one was Hardesty, second largest apartment complex builder west of the Mississippi River. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. And I'm their best maintenance man. And he flies an F-16 for a toy. And he's got a Rolls Royce, Roger Hardesty. And I am one of his best maintenance men. That's a job. That's a good job. And I came here and became a youth pastor so that Melanie would get right with God. <laughs> In other words, I think, I believe, God will always put you through a money test. I, don't, I, don't, I know that people will disagree with me on that. Because he'll look at you and go, I got something I want you to do. And you're like, yeah, but I got to go to work. You can. When T.L. Osborne, God called him, he told, the Lord spoke to Daisy and said, Daisy, you can stay home if you want to. Or you can work with your husband. But if you work with your husband, you'll never have the stuff this side of heaven that you would have. But if you work with him, you will never believe what I have for you when you die. And she walked away from wealth and traveled with her husband around the world and preached gospel. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of times people think, well, you, you can have them both. Well, you may go, well, Mark Hankins has a jet. And Mark, Hank Mark Hankins has a jet and Mark Hankins has a nice house. And he's in churches preaching almost all the time. He sees hotel rooms Ten, every, ten nights to every time get sleep in his own bed. He's not. It, it's not about money or he wouldn't. Are y'all getting this? Sure he goes home has a nice house. Sure he has a Raptor truck. Sure he, but, but he gets in and drives down the road and parks and gets back in the jet and he's off preaching someplace for two weeks. So, you know, it's not like he's coveting stuff. God's blessing him, but he's working that boy. And, and there'll come a day when he'll stand before God and he'll say, you gave this up. What cities? Cities. Do, do y'all understand that this is political? Mm -hmm. Do y'all want to stretch a little bit? Yes. God, based on your obedience, will give you ruler and authority over stuff. Mm -hmm. Cities, towns, counties, states, mm -hmm. or countries. What do you think T.L. has? T.L. has seen his, well, let me tell you the story. I'm just going to tell it to you anyway. There was a man in Africa that the Lord spoke to him and he says, I want you to call T.L. Osborne to come to your city. This man didn't know T.L. He said, who's T.L.? And he had a vision that night. And he was climbing a hill and he looked at cities, cities, 
I mean hundreds and hundreds of miles. And he says, that's Tiel's cities. That's what he, that's his inheritance. And so he taught this, this, this African preacher about Tiel. Tiel got on the phone, called, I mean, this, this preacher got on the phone, called Tiel to come to Africa to do a crusade in his city. And I don't know all the story. I may be getting, messing this up. But he got to see. And, and so when you stop and think about that everything you and I are doing is being recorded. I mean, you stop at the coffee shop and you pay for something. They, they, they write it down. Yes. Yesterday I was out jogging, and I know that y'all would greatly say amen. <laughs> and I came by Mrs. Young, and I was kind of hoping she didn't see me because I really need to be out walking. And she looked up at me, and her fence had fallen down. And I'm like, you need help? She goes, yes. And she's got this fence falling over, and this lady is how old? 80-something? Yeah. And they, she can't even lift it. And I went, Miss Young, you're going to need some rope. She said, I don't have any. I said, I'll be back in a minute. Went to my house, got some rope. We had to tie the fence up, put it back together. She got a screw gun, started screwing guns in it. She said, I don't want my dogs to get out. And I'm sitting there going, I can't. I, I need to be jogging. <laughs> and the Lord says, I'm writing this down. I went, thank you. <laughs> you you don't, you're not wasting yeah. your life stomping on the side of the road and helping an old woman keep her dogs in, you know. And I, I mean, it's not that big a deal, but, but still God's watching. And, I'm, and when I'm reading this, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of that day. I'm aware of it. No, people don't normally stay in a church 32 years. If you think it's been hard on you. I, I've had my trials. I really have. I've had mine. I quit. Are you serious? I really have. I've, I've prayed to go home to be with Jesus. Serious. I've prayed that God would send me to Alaska. With a fishing ministry. I've prayed all kinds of stuff. But, but they're not, they're short-lived. You know, all of us have our days. But I'm going to tell you something. I look back now and go, thank you. I, I want to hear, I want to hear, well done, faithful. I, and, and I, every year, at the, when, when the year comes to an end, I've got to be honest with y'all. I always look back and go, I could have done better. I, I really, we could have done better. And I, and, and I, I learned that from T.L. Osborne. Don't ever rest on your laurels. You think, well, we did good. No, you... You're not dead. <laughs> so when, when Mary French started prophesying to Bible school, I'll be honest with you, I've always wanted to do it, but it's a lot of work. I mean, I'm home Monday night now and all day Tuesday. And by the time I, cr I walk at home when we walk out of here and I fall, and I don't even crawl out of the bed till 9 the next day. Because I've already gone over all those sermons five times each and then preached them. And I am whipped. By the time y'all are ready to go home, I'm really ready to go. And I don't, and, and yet, I, you know, and, and I, 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 I struggled over it for two years. Do you want to do this? Yes, you do. <laughs> you only got one life to live, live it for God. So I go through the same things you do. Yeah. You know, okay, never mind. I think I'm delivering it.
Are y'all getting this? Okay. And I don't want you to do something because of condemnation. I don't believe condemnation works. I don't think that it's right to use guilt to motivate you. I don't want you to do something because you feel guilty. I want you to do something because it's right. I, it's, this is the right thing to do. Okay. Then you're happy. And then I'm happy that you're happy. Okay. Um, Matthew 6, 19. I hope I get through. I may not. I think I will. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break through and steal. Lay up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and thieves do not break. For where your treasures, your heart will be also. Okay, second boy. The second boy became popular. He invested in the world, people. First Samuel 15, we're not going to go over there. Saul was a people pleaser. The reason, Matthew 6, stay there in Matthew 6. The reason that people don't like to be persecuted, they don't want to say something to someone, even though it would be good for them, because they don't want the rebuttal. Mm -hmm. They don't want the Mm -hmm. rejection. Mm -hmm. I hate rejection. But I'm going to tell you all something. There's times that I know I've got to preach something. And I know you're, you, you're, you need this. Right. And I already know that there will be people that won't like it. Right. And, and I already know I'm the bad guy. I, I already know they're going to tell me I'm mean. Mm-hmm. And then I have to pray all day <laughs> to get the guts to obey God. And to preach what you don't want to hear. And I already know there will be people leave. But I kind of figure they're going to leave anyway. But I'm more interested in the ones that don't. Are y'all listening? And, and you know, being a parent, there's times you just got to go, you know what, honey? I love you. But meet me in the bedroom. You know, if, you, if you're a good parent, you know, well, I don't want my kids to, I want my kids to like me. I do too. But I also don't want them to go to hell, so let's go. You know, and, and so today we have a lot of people in America, they're just cowards. They're just cowards. And I just refuse to be a coward. I'm just, I don't, I'm not going to be a people pleaser, but I will be a God pleaser. I'm going to, I want him to go, okay, I got you. You obeyed me. You did what I said. Okay. And, 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 and I shouldn't say this, but sometimes I get so fired up and I go, God, do I sound mad? And, and some people go, yeah. I go, okay, I'll work on that. I'll read my love book again. Okay. Uh, sometimes I, I do get a little mad. I just, I know you're going to screw it up. Yeah. I know you're going, I know you're not going to listen, and I know your, your life is going to be bad, and I know and I have to go, I have to give this to God. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to, too. You, am I the only one that's like this? I, I think that's love, but most people would look at me and say it didn't. But anyway, Matthew 6, 1. 
Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men in order to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, don't sound a trumpet before you as hypocrites. Do in a synagogue and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. You got your reward. You're not going to get one from God now. Because you got it from men and that's all you're getting. But when you do a charitable deed, when you do something, don't let your right left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. I had a man to say to me not too long ago, says, Pastor, I'd really appreciate it if you wouldn't tell the people in the church how much I'm giving. I'm going, okay, I'll ne- I never will. I understand what you're doing. But sometimes we need to say, I'm giving a thousand, who will give a thousand? We're not doing that to be seen by men. I'm trying to motivate you to give, okay? But, but, but I've had people, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm going to say this so that y'all will do what I'm asking. Well, it's Pastor's Appreciation Day, and you want to give me a gift. Put in the offering. Don't write me a personal check and come in and go, I just want to make sure you saw that it's my name's on the bottom of this. Because there's strings on the bottom of that. And I go, oh, God, that's a big check. Thank you. Now, next week, I'm going to go, I got to say something to him. I might as well give him his check back. He said, I don't, I don't want that in my mind. I'd rather you just give it as unto the Lord. And, and I don't want to know what you did. I don't wanna, I'm not ever going to change the way I treat people based on how much money you gave. I don't do that. If you come in and you're, all you ever give is $5 an offer, and I'm not treating you any different someone who gives $10,000. So it makes it really difficult when you're tying, when you're trying to, yeah. look what I did. I'm like, I wish I didn't know that. Right. And, and I will tell you that there's been a few people in here that have come up to me and said, I want you to pray for a family member and then hand me money. And I always hand the money back. Right. I go, I'm, I'm not for sale. I can't guarantee you they'll get saved. Right. And I think that's what you're asking me. Yeah. And I'm not God. Right. If you want to put something in the offering plate and give it to the church, you give it to the church. Right. But don't hand it to me. Mm-hmm. And y'all don't realize how tough that is because they usually get offended. Uh-huh. And I usually go, I need the money. Yeah. <laughs> but I won't take it. Because right. I'm going to keep my heart right with God. I'm not... So it's one time Kevin McNulty said, the guy over in Africa says, they told T.L. that we're sending you a private jet to pick you up. And he said, no, I'll fly Delta. He said, I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm not for sale. I'm going to preach what, what God tells me to do. And nobody in Africa is going to tell me what to do on the platform but Jesus. And he'll take a Delta and he'll come home on Delta it's good to hang around these men. They're not, they're not a greedy. You think that they pre- preach prosperity, they're not greedy. So anyway, um, it says they love the praises of men more than the praises of God. The third boy returned the money to the, Lord, to the lawful owner, and he reaped a hundredfold. Matthew 25, 19. I think we went over this a while ago. We're going back to Matthew 25 again, to, to the talents. Twenty-five, nineteen. After a long time, the Lord of the service came, settled accounts, and he received five talents. What, five of the talents? He says, I've gained five, 
more. And the Lord said, well done, good and faithful. You were faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Remember the little boy? I mean, you, you would think that was not such a big deal. But that dollar wasn't his. And now i got to tell a story. Oh, i got 15 minutes. If I tell a story about how bad I did something before I got saved, are y'all going to judge me too harshly? Yeah. Justin will. My mother was dating a guy that worked for a poultry plant. And she found out, he found out that she had a son, which would be me. And mom called me and says, Joe here said he can get you a job at the poultry plant making good money. And I went, awesome. He said, just come down. You have to take one test. And, you'll, and the man said, you'll pass it. It's easy. And I think he said, like, just be honest. Of course I'm going to be honest. I'm, 15, I'm 16. You know, I'm, I'll be honest. And so they take me in a room and they have a board that has one, it's one is white, one's black, and there's studs sticking out, and all of these studs have nuts on them. And he said, We want you to take the, the nuts off and put them on the other side with one hand. And we're going to time you. And so, and they said, We're going to leave the room, and we'll be back in a minute, and we're going to hit, we're going to hit the timer. And, 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 and he says, Do you understand? I said, Yes. He closed that door. I got two hands. I did. And I put him on. And he came in. He went, hey, that's pretty fast. I said, he said, did you hear what I said? One hand. I went, yeah. And I said, I'm not that bright. I didn't. I flunked the test. I didn't get the job. But I was a sinner. So after I got born again, I'm, I'm driving my pickup truck around the beltway. And I'm coming home one day. And I go by the poultry plant. And the Lord said, Remember that job? I said, yeah. He said, you know why you didn't get it? And I went, no. He said that it was a test to see if you were honest, yeah. if you could follow directions. Mm-hmm. They would train you to be a mechanic. They just want to know if you can follow a simple direction. Mm-hmm. And you didn't. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know why he's talking to me as I'm driving around. How many of y'all have ever had a little bit of trouble? Just You think nobody's watching you. Yeah. All right, I'm going to tell another story. Now, this one I'm saved. And I, I don't know whether I should tell you these stories because I don't want you leaving here with a bad image. You don't think he's really not all that <laughs> spiritual. But right after I came here and working with Tom, I had to get a side job at Albertsons stocking the shelves at midnight to morning. And when you get in there, they used to lock the doors. Well, they, well they, and I think they left them open, but people came in, and not very many. One cashier, and we were then there stocking from one end to the other end. And the sun came up. We, we were at the frozen section right before you go out the front door. And, and I'm at the frozen section, and I'm ripping open boxes, and I'm stocking up the refrigerators. And I looked up, and up in the window up there, was the manager's office, and they wore a gold blazer. Do you all remember the, Albert, the gold blazer? Well, this manager is just watching me. And 
and I'm looking up, and I start working hard. I mean, I'm throwing stuff, and he's one. I'm throwing stuff, and I'm, I mean, I'm really busting it. And I got all the way to the end, and he hadn't moved in a half hour. He just, and I, I finally finished my job, and I walked up and looked up, and it was a coat rack. <laughs> there was nobody in the coat. I'm, And I just thought, that coat worked you good, boy. That coat worked you good. And when I walked out, I went, I think maybe I should work like that because God is watching me, not a coat. And I kind of left and, and I kind of got on to myself about, you idiot, why are you working so hard when they're watching you? Why don't you work like that all the time? And so I went home, and, and, I, and I thought to myself, and I, I kind of went to God. Touche, I, I got the point. Now, is it, now, I'm gonna, now, now that I'm embarrassed myself, has anybody else in here ever done anything like this to where you're like, yeah. So from that day forward, I just decided to work as unto the Lord and whether they're watching me or not. So here's my big one. Joyce Myers made a statement one time, says, uh, don't ever leave your shopping cart in a, in a parking lot. And I listened to the CD and I went, I wished I'd never heard her say that. Because <laughs> now I, and I always put it up, but it's a matter of my own my own character. I want, I want to know that I'm doing right when no one's looking. How you act when no one's looking is, is a real test of character. Okay. And of course, everybody's going to go, we're never going back there again. That, that, I, I thought he was a good guy until he came told on himself, and now I don't know what to think of him. Um, let's go to Ruth. Ruth chapter 1. I, I wish that I had written down the page number. I, I have a time. I got to go to my. I, I just. Ruth is a skinny book. Okay. 236. I knew it was in there somewhere. Until when we get to heaven, Ruth's going to go, you read my book? Yeah, once. <laughs> Actually, read it th three or four times. But this is a great book. This is such a great book. And, and I, and I want to read the first of it, give you a little platform. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Now Justin and Lisa and Melanie, that's on the other side of Jordan, west, up in, up in those mountains. That's, that's where the Moabites are from. And the name of the man was Amalek, and his wife was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were something and something. And, and um, Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Amalek, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, and her two sons, and they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Oprah, and the other one was Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years. And both Mihon and 
Chilion, died, and the women survived their two, two sons and her husband. And she arose with her daughter-in-law, and she might return from the country of Moab, for she heard in the country of Moab, the Lord had visited his people and given them bread. Therefore she went out from the place where she was, and her two daughter-in-laws, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters, Go return to your mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. And the Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted their voices and wept. And they said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. And Naomi said, No, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, go. I'm too old to have a husband, and I should say I, that I would have hope if I would have a husband tonight, I should bear sons. Will you wait for them till they're grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, no, my daughters. It grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept, and Oprah kissed her mother-in-law, and Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods and return after your sister-in-law. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following after you. And where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. And your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And when you die and where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried, and the Lord do to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. And when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. And so Ruth went with her. Ruth was a Moabite woman. Now, when you read the story, and you, you realize that she came home to Israel, and they had to glean the fields by picking up what wheat was left behind, and that's all the food they had. In other words, they were not going to be very rich but she was so dedicated to her mother-in-law and, and, and the Bible records that, that, that she really had a heart to take care of her mother-in-law. Because of this, God made sure that when she got to Israel, a man named Boaz saw her, fell in love with her, and she got married and became the great-great-grandmother of David. And the great, 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 great grandmother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, all of this happened to her because she was willing to stay connected to this covenant. In other words, that was more important to her than to, uh, I could get me a husband. I could do this. I can now do this. And she decided not to serve herself, but to serve her mother-in-law. And because of that, God blessed her. And I'm reading all this to you because in the night the Lord came in and sat down and he said, the third boy took the silver dollar and handed it back to the man that owned it. And when they said that to me, the day I got born again, now I always tell you the story about how I got saved. What you have never heard me say is that I got down and I went, from here on I belong to you. You know, I, where, what, do you want, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And I just, I didn't just pray a prayer till I can go to heaven. I prayed a prayer that, that and, I, and I made a decision to follow God all the days of my life. In other words, where you send me, I'm going. What you say do, I'll do. Now, you look back on that, and, there's, and the story of certainty and the story of hardesty, and I left, 
and came here and became a youth pastor. And when I had that youth group, I, I, I poured, you know, Melanie will tell you this and Betty will tell you, I poured my life in those kids. I never missed a meeting. I prayed over those kids. I, I remember the day I looked up and all of them were praying in the Holy Ghost and the Lord said, you're done here. And it wasn't long that I was gone from there and married Lisa and later on he, when I was in Haiti, the Lord says, they're going to ask you to take that church. I want you to take this church. Now you understand, I wouldn't have traded the life he gave me for anything I could have done it's, but what I'm telling you is this. I want you, I want you to think about your life and what are you doing with it. So I'm going to tell you one more story. Well, I think. That's six minutes. There was that time that I lost everything because um, of my divorce. I was a little bummed at God. Here I am serving you. And I don't have a job, I don't have a church, I don't have a family. I have nothing. And I'm barely eating, and I'm, and I'm living for you. Are you serious? And everyone who's not is doing well. I got a little bummed. I know some of y'all have never been bummed at God. But I got a little bummed at God. I'm like, this ain't right. And that was the day he said to me, when are you going to do what I want you to do? And I went... Uh-uh. You tell me what it is you want me to do. I'm not, I'm not doing this again. I mean, this did not work out real good. And he said, I want you to trust me. Now, folks, that wasn't easy to do. You know, trouble comes. The devil would not attack you if there wasn't a reason to attack you. Because God's got something for you. And you need to know that. I'm going to read a story to you. And then, um, well, we'll see. Are y'all y'all enjoying this? Yeah. This is this is a story I read, and I never, I never, I never forgot it. This is E. W. Kenyon. E. W. Kenyon was the pastor of a Baptist church. He started off as a Methodist, backslid. Now, if y'all don't know about Methodist doctrine, Methodist was the early holiness movement. Holiness came out of Methodism, and, and Wesley preached living right real strong. Born again, but live right. And almost to the point that you could lose, you know, if you sin, you still go to hell, that kind of thing. So, so, so Kenyon tried to live for God and backslid. Well, later he found out about grace and he became a free will Baptist as opposed to a Baptist who doesn't have a free will, which would be Calvinist. And I know that doesn't make sense to you all. But he became a Baptist preacher. Well, during this time, he got a, a disease called peritonitis. He got sick and almost died. All right, we're going to pick up there. Yielding to the Lordship of Christ would become a major theme in Kenyon's preaching. You see, Kenyon explained the dominion of Christ is the dominion of love. The dominion of love is the divine dominion of self. And when self yields to love's dominion, peace that passes all understanding will fill your heart and life, and healing will come to your body. It's not about you believing for healing. You, you, you need to give him your, the, your life back. Let him be boss. 
Okay, when Kenyon says before I knew him in the above quote, he's not talking about before he became Savior. He means before he knew Christ intimately enough to yield himself totally to his Lordship, which is a deeper knowledge of Christ. Knowing Christ more as Savior was more important the theme of Kenyon's writings. Okay. If the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the spirit that gives life to the dying members of your body, renews your health, and makes you well and strong, has done it again and again. It did it for me. I was dying, and the nurse stood by and said, he's dying. My finger turned purple. My feet turned purple. They were cold and dead. I was dying of peritonitis. A man rushed in the room and stood by me. He offered a few words of prayer, and the life of the Son of God poured through my body. My bowels were where mortification had already set in, and death had reigned. The life of God poured in and drove death out, and instantly healed at 11 o'clock at night. In the morning, I got up dressed and rode downtown. Instantly healed. Now, a lot of times people heal that, read that and think, well, it was that guy's prayer. No, it wasn't. It was Kenyon's prayer. Now, I'm going to read to you the prayer he prayed on the deathbed. I have tried, God, to do your will, and I have failed. Now by the grace of God, I come to place my care, my all. I will to be thine, I will to do thy will. I will to believe thee, I will to obey thee. I will to know thy will as revealed in your word. I will to trust the Holy Spirit to indwell me, to implant culture, bring to perfection the graces which you would adorn my life. I will to be led into all of your truth. I will to let you control my temper, my passions, my feelings, my habits, my emotions, my conversation, my conduct in business and social life. I acknowledge my own helplessness in making these conform to your will. I have brought weakness into your service. I have brought sorrow and unrest into my life, and I have brought dishonor to you. As, I mean, he's talking about as a Christian. In weakness, I come to you. I turn them all over. I yield them up. I surrender to you. And now, Lord, I have willed myself my all, and now I will my will. I can do no more. I have nothing else to give you. All is yours, and what is yours, you can do what you want to, or you can lay it aside. All I ask is that this prayer be my final. I rest on John six thirty seven. He that comes to me, I will in those wise cast out. I simply come. I come to stay in the name and the merits of my Redeemer, thy Son, for me to live as Christ. The above covenant was written and signed by Dr. E.W. Kenyon, February the 7th, 1897. When Dr. Kenyon on his knees signed this covenant, instantly healed of several diseases and, his, and, life, and life-threatening diseases in his life. Amen. When did it happen? When he laid on the altar. What do you want to do? What you guys don't understand is that he was always a pretty good preacher. His books are the books that propelled T.L. Osborne into ministry. Mm-hmm. His books are the book that John G. Lake used. Mm-hmm. This is the greatest apologetics writer on, that's ever lived next to the Apostle Paul. It didn't happen until he said, I'll do what you want to. The Lord said to him, I want you to start a Bible school and invite all the students to come live in your house. And he had an immaculate house. No one ever walked through his house because he wouldn't allow you to come through even with, you know, he was like a perfectionist. And when he laid his life on the altar, he had kids sleeping on his couch. (laughs) He's like, okay, God. And he became one of the best Bible teachers the world ever known. 
didn't happen until this day. Did y'all enjoy this tonight? I I want you to see this, that in, in John 17, he says, this is eternal life, that they would know you. And then in 1 John 3.16, it says um, that he, he laid his life. We ought to lay ours down. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just want you to do something tonight. I want you to, when you leave here tonight, I'm not giving you a silver dollar. Even though I, have, I, I could give all of you one, I won't. Because they've gone up in price a lot <laughs> since I bought them. But I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. There's going to come a day when you and I are going to stand before the Lord and give an account of what we did. And I just want you to think, what are you doing with what he gave you? That's good. Very good. Because a lot of times you, you, will, you will always be busy and you'll always have something to do. That's, you, if you're waiting for everything to get right so you can start obeying, you can forget it. It'll never get right. You're going to have to make up your mind. Right. When I first started tithing, I tithed off the bottom for a while, and I never had any money to give because it was all gone. And I had to knuckle down and give it off the top right. and live on the 90. And you need to do that with your life. Put him first right. and let everything else take care of itself. That's good. Can I tell you one more story? Yes. I'm laying in the hospital in Texas, and I said, if you want me to keep preaching, heal me. If not, I'm coming home. I went to sleep. I can't heal me. Right. Right. And I got up and didn't even have pain. Next Wednesday, I was back preaching. It's sweet to know that if you just obey him, he can take care of you. Father God, thank you for tonight. I, I pray that my story and the story you said in that room that night and taught me about the little boy and gave the coin back to the old man. The old man died and left him the store. And there's going to come a day when we're going to stand before you and you're going to give us the whole kingdom. And the price you've asked us is just our life. It's not that big a deal. I pray all of us in this room would understand there's a little bit more to life than what we're doing for ourselves. We can live it for ourselves, we can live for others, and we can live for you. And I pray that we'd leave tonight and go, wow, that was good. I give you thanks, sir, in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com from our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.